1: what is going on diesel nation we're excited to have you guys with us today on the diesel podcast if you're watching this on youtube and aren't subscribed make sure and click the subscribe button like comment let us know what you think about the episode let us know if you have any suggestions for topics or guests you'd like to have on we're always checking comments on there and love to be able to take your guys' suggestions and then be able to turn it into episodes in the future. Today, I'm going to be chatting with Andrew from CJC Off-Road. You'll definitely recognize his truck. It's our, our podcast cover, and you probably, if you're really into trucks, more than likely follow him on Instagram. I'm um, really looking forward to chatting with him today, talk about his journey with his trucks. Uh, he's got a bunch of them, super clean, um, and see why he went to a manual, why he got rid of the, uh, 48re and went to a g56 truck but then i also wanted to ask him some suspension questions we've gotten um, some messages from listeners asking about the downside of going to wider wheels and tires and if that creates any issues with the front suspension so i'm going to ask him that it's definitely going to be a good chat before we get to it though i want to remind you our friends over at kershaw knives have a 20 percent off site wide code for you use code 20 diesel at kershaw.kaiusa.com great way to save some money on some really cool gear if you need something for edc or hunting fishing something then around the job site or house, they've got something for really any budget and a ton of different choices. This year they released a whole bunch of new products um, we had them on the podcast to talk about it. So they've got a, a bunch of new things out there, a bunch of tried and true um, knives, opening mechanisms, things that uh, everyone's accustomed to that's in the knife world. All right, let's get to today's podcast with Andrew talking about his trucks and also answering some suspension questions. Andrew, welcome back to the Diesel Podcast, man. I enjoyed our our first episode. A lot of people may not know, but our podcast cover is a picture of your old truck and uh, (laughs) we get comments on, man, what's done to that truck? It's so clean. So uh, I look forward to chatting with you today, answer some suspension questions, chat about with you with your old truck, your new truck, your TDI that's in the background there. So I definitely look forward to it.
0: Thanks, man. I appreciate you having me back on. And I guess I need to get an updated picture for the uh, the cover of the podcast with the new truck. So,
1: Yeah, we do. Now, that last one, tell us a little bit about the old truck you had, and then why you wanted to go to this new one. What about it really appealed to you that you always wanted and maybe some of the upgrades that you've done?
0: Yes. My old truck was a 06 Ram 2500. I bought it from the original owner, actually. Um, It was a really nice, really clean truck. And it took me years of, you know, slowly modifying it, tinkering with it, all that kind of stuff. Um, But in the back of my head, I always wanted something that was a manual, not really for anything other than just having the fun of a G56 truck. I I love the G56 third gens, but the five nine Cummins and just kind of that pairing together. I really like um, and the truck was had 140,000 miles, so it wasn't crazy, but I was like, might be fun to move to something a little bit lower mile. Um, and things just kind of fell into place where some guy that followed me on Instagram um, messaged me saying that he found this truck and it happened to be the exact truck that I've been looking for for like six years. So I, yeah, I'm always looking for trucks. I love searching for for deals on Craigslist, like all of us probably do. Um, and so I'd always been looking for that G56 low mile, like 06 truck. And he had the exact truck that I wanted. So we worked out a deal. Um, I sold my old truck and, and somehow managed to get it into like my perfect dream truck. So the new one looks exactly the same. It's, it's a 06 3500 G56. Um, and when I picked it up, it only had 40,000 miles. So everything in the truck was 100% original. Um, and I've just been kind of going through and it was kind of cool to actually to redo the build. And a lot of people kind of asked me like, hey, why is it the same as your old truck? And I, I love my old truck. I love how it looked, everything about it. What I've been trying to do with the new one is basically do the build better. So all the little details, all the little things, kind of like that chance to redo your truck if you ever had that opportunity. Um, so it's it's kind of fun to go through it again. And I've been trying to document it on my YouTube. I've gotten a little bit backed up with life being busy, but i try to make a video for every step of the process, which is kind of fun.
1: I know there's a ton of people who are listening or watching this on YouTube who know who you are. You got a ton of followers on Instagram, a really cool YouTube page. And I would say you take the best photographs of diesel trucks that are out there between the TDI, the 5.9 uh, the you got, the first gen, you got a 7.3 OBS, and they're all done really, really clean. I guess that's that's the word. Whenever I see these pictures, they're just... I don't know. I don't know if there's a word for it, but I appreciate all the detail and the cleanliness of them. Where did that come from? Where did, you know, when you get to 73 OBS, this first gen, this third gen, where do you get the idea for the build and just how meticulously detailed they are? They almost look like they're brand new off the showroom floor. I, I don't, I've always been that way. Like, uh, growing up, I've
0: always, I don't know, I've always been someone that like relates really to take care of stuff. Um, I, I don't take anything for granted and so anything that I have I, I always try and make it as perfect as I can like even the VW the TDI behind me like it was just like a random mom's car <laughs> I picked up and the paint was all beat up and everything I spent hours paint correcting it going through I had the some of the bumpers repainted to get rid of little like damage and scratches and stuff I, I just can't help myself I don't know what it is but everything I own I try and keep it really perfect and nice because I, I like to take pride in like the stuff that I own it's it's fun to say that like I, I worked hard to, to make
1: it look really nice. Well, that's one of the things when I watch one of your YouTube videos or see one of the pictures is I realize how much I'm not doing for vehicles in my own life <laughs> because they're so like, I remember the TDI when you got it and what you've turned it into. I'm like, man, that's a cool car. That would be a cool, you know, daily driver. It's got, you know, enough sportiness, enough. It's just the way that it sits. It's just, you know, it's really cool. And then I see all the work that you put into it and you know, the, the trucks as well. Have you done anything major with the OBS or the first gen since we chatted last? So the OBS,
0: unfortunately, has just gotten a lot of like small little upgrades. Um, So I actually need to do an update video on YouTube with this, but I worked with Brian at Jellybuilt. Um, He did some awesome custom tuning for that and then set me up some 160cc injectors for that truck. Um, So that is going to be an upcoming video, but that has been such a dramatic change in the way that that truck handles and drives and everything. So that's been really cool. I haven't gone too deep in the suspension on that truck, um, kind of trying to figure out which route I want to go. So that one's mostly been, um, wheels, tires, and then just some basic like engine upgrades, you know, small modifications that need to get done to kind of, like I did a built transmission in it. So unfortunately the, the budget on that one has been kind of sucked up by <laughs> like built transmission other, like not, not super fun, uh, fun, crazy
1: stuff. So I, you know, I just remembered I forgot one of your other trucks too. Is that second gen, that white one? <laughs> you have yes. like you have them all.
0: That's see, then that's the problem. It's like it's like having ADD of like, okay, this one needs this one, this one needs that one. It's I, I, I was talk about this with Greg A, but I'm laughing with him like he's got a million trucks. I'm like, how do you like keep track of all the projects? And that's kind of how I feel on on like the little collection that I have, just trying to keep track of all the different projects. But the second gen's gotten a lot of attention lately. Um, from me, like I did a built trans in it with tier one, that was really awesome. Um, and then it's gotten a full Carly pin top system on it now. Um, so the next thing with that truck is probably going to be some power
1: upgrades just to, to try and get it a little more oomph. So we'll see on that one, but. Did the, uh, did the, trans the stock transmission just go out on its own or were you doing it preemptively knowing you were going to do some upgrades in the future? So
0: Second gen owners will probably be familiar with this one, but I was getting the the typical like shuttle shifting. So uh, engaging and unlocking the torque converter randomly in third and overdrive. Um, And just kind of that like shuttle shifting out of third and overdrive that happens with the APPS noise isolator issue. So I installed an APPS noise isolator on that truck that went away, but it kind of just got my wheels turning of like, I love that truck. Originally I wanted a manual and I found that truck that was really clean. I got an auto. And so I was like, you know what? I don't want to sell this truck. I, I want to keep this truck forever. This is a truck I, I love and I don't think I'll be able to replace it. And the one thing that always bothered me about that truck was the transmission. It just felt so sloppy. Anytime I hooked up a trailer, it, it didn't want to pull it. it. It just felt like really lazy in the torque converter. It's like, you know what? If I'm going to keep this truck, I may as well do it right and do a built trans in it. And that, Honestly, it's, it's a toss-up between that and like the steering and front-end upgrades on that truck, but it's such a dramatic change on a second gen to do a built auto. So I worked with tier one. We did a stage two build on that truck. And it's it's like a new truck now. It's amazing how much more powerful and confident that truck feels, like telling, going over mountains, all that kind of stuff, just because of the Bill Trans. But it just it just puts power to the ground so much better than the stock one.
1: I'm sure in you know, working in the industry and having, you know, a huge Instagram page and YouTube following that you get a ton of people that say, Hey Andrew, I really want to find a second gen, a first gen, a third gen, but I don't want something with a ton of miles. I don't want it you know, to have been worked really hard or I got to do a lot of body work. How or what tips would you give somebody to try to find kind of their dream truck, something that they've always wanted, which are getting more rare now and they're harder to find.
0: Yeah, um, I actually did a cool video on this, but it's, I use a website called Auto Tempest. So Auto Tempest for us peasants that don't have like custom built software that dealers use, um, Auto Tempest is kind of like the easiest way to search multiple platforms at once. So on there, you can actually search Craigslist in every state in the country. You can search Facebook Marketplace, you can search Autotrader, Cars.com, all of that in one search. So it's a really easy way to kind of conglomerate everything into one place. Otherwise, you're stuck like going through each city on Craigslist, which is really hard. Um, so it's amazing the stuff that pops up on there when you're searching. And like, I always try different search terms, you know, like I'll try Dodge diesel 4x4 or I'll try 1999 second gen, whatever. And sometimes certain stuff clicks, but it's amazing what pops up on there and you can find it really good deals. Like everyone always asks me like, how much money do you have in all these trucks? And like, my whole thing is I love finding them on the cheap. Like that's, that's the whole fun of it for me. Isn't going and spending, you know, hundred K on some perfect truck. Like I love trying to find that deal. I'll fly out of state. I'll go all kinds of places to, to try and track them down like that. I love the thrill of the hunt. So that, that website is
1: a really, really cool tool. Are there any States when you're looking, like say you type in like 2005 Cummins or something like that, and you see them, you know, from 10 or 15 different States that are kind of in the mileage range that you want. Are there different things that you look for? Say if one was in Illinois or Michigan versus Florida, versus Idaho or Montana that somebody should definitely. pay attention to.
0: I'm not gonna lie. There's definitely States that I just don't even look in. Um, typically the Midwest, I just, I won't even look in just because of rust issues and everything else. Like these trucks are mass produced. So if you can find one in one of the Western States, and you know, it doesn't have rust. Why deal with the hassle of trying to, to deal with a rusty truck. That, that's just my personal view. But um, I usually look a lot in Arizona, California, Nevada, um, Texas, uh, up to Washington is kind of about where I found Oregon has some good stuff too, like Eastern Oregon, uh, Arizona, for some reason, seems to be a really good hotbed though for, for super clean trucks. Um, so I've, I've pulled two really clean second gens out of Arizona. The, the one that I have actually is from Havasu, but for some reason that seems to be like a hotbed of, of like just immaculate trucks because it's so dry out there. So, I mean, they don't really see much rain or or winter driving at all. Um, it's really low humidity. So like if someone keeps them in their garage, nothing rots, um, it's, it's a cool place to pull nice trucks out of. So that's always kind of my go-to is that like Southern Southwest area, basically.
1: Now, once you get one of these trucks and you want to protect like the paint and just kind of keep it in that showroom condition that I always, that (laughs) I always see in your pictures and videos, what's the process you go through to do that? Like what products do you use? What are some things that somebody out there that either, as one of these trucks are they're looking for them to think, okay, how can I make it look like it does right now, five years from now? What, what do you use to do that?
0: Yeah. So I was, it's like, there's the, the initial detailing that takes forever, right? Cause you are like trying to bring it back to perfect. And then there's like the maintenance detailing. So that's a lot easier. Um, I personally use Adams polish stuff. I really like their products. Um, I've been using them for years. And then in the past few years, they've actually been supporting me, which is really cool. I think I finally bought enough of their stuff that they, they decided to help me out. Um, but yeah, so usually what I'll do is on the frame of the truck and, and the suspension, all the undercarriage, um, I like to go through, I'll, I'll do a deep dive. i actually did a, a YouTube video about this, but I'll, I'll do a deep clean. I'll spend a couple hours under there scrubbing by hand, everything. And then they have this stuff called undercarriage spray from Adams that works really, really well. Um, so that undercarriage spray, you basically spray it on. It's a self level coating, but it, it dries to the touch and it just makes everything look brand new. It's, it's kind of wild how that transforms the bottom of the car. Um, but it also does a really good job of kind of protecting it. I wouldn't say like if you're in a stall state or something, I think fluid film is a better option. But for someone like me that's on the West Coast and my truck's just seeing, you know, dust, some like rain, snow, stuff like that, it works really well to keep everything protected. So just a few months, every few months, I'll go through and kind of like clean out the bottom, put that stuff on. And then on the top of the truck, I really like using ceramic coatings. Um, you know, for a long time it was wax, then the polymer sealants kind of became a thing. And then now ceramic coatings are are kind of the go-to. And there's a lot of really easy ceramic coatings too. Like you don't have to do the crazy 10 year professional level ones. Like even the spray ones do an awesome job of protecting. Um, And they last a lot longer than a wax. They don't evaporate in the sun and the heat like a a carnauba wax would. So that's kind of my like go-to for, you know basic paint protection. So like the VW behind me, like I did a full polish on the car, got rid of all the swirls and everything and then did the Adams uh, ceramic coating on there just to kind of keep the paint as nice as I could. It really adds a lot of shine and and depth too, which is nice.
1: And it's pretty easy to apply that and then just do it in your garage.
0: Yeah, no, it doesn't take like, the polishing definitely takes some special tools. Like you do need an orbital polisher and the pads and everything. Um, The ceramic itself is super easy. You basically just like wash, polish, uh, or like wash clay, then polish, and then apply. And it basically just, you work in like, little small squares, like maybe three feet by three feet, depending on how hot it is, just put it on, wipe it off, done. So it's, it's really simple. And the spray coatings are a lot easier to put on. So like, if you're someone that's never done ceramic before, start with the spray coatings, because they're a lot more friendly. And then you can kind of graduate to like the the more intense coatings that are a little bit harder to apply, but they last longer.
1: Well, before the podcast, I was asking you about your new, um, your new common rail. And I was like, did you ceramic coat it? No. And you were telling me a really cool story about something you always wanted to do to a truck. And I was curious to learn more about the, uh, the product that you had, you know, installed and, and what it does say above and beyond what I could do at home in my garage.
0: <laughs> yeah. So if, if you're like full psycho, like I am, um, I, I got that truck. It's an Oh six, every piece of paint on the truck is original. And so I do a lot of mountain biking, snowboarding. Like I take that truck camping. Like I, I use that truck. And I wanted to make sure that I protected the paint. Like it drove me crazy on my old truck. I felt so bad every time a bike would fall over and hit the truck or something like that. So I actually did full Expel wrap on that truck. So for anyone that's not familiar, Expel is a a really cool kind of protective clear film. They offer it in either like a gloss clear or satin clear. But what's really nice about it is it's self-healing against small abrasions. So like if someone, you know, dragged their purse across it in a parking lot or if I was off-road and I had some like light pinstriping on it, if you put the truck in the sun, it'll actually self-heal those marks. So it's it's really cool. Um, so if you're psycho like me and you want 100% protection, like a bird can crap on it, nothing's going to happen. Um, Expel film is really cool. Uh, it also does stone chips too. So like the whole rocker panel, that's how it started actually, was I just wanted to do the rocker panels. And I started working with um, a really great wrap shop that was local to me um and yeah like American Rapco is the name of the place but yeah I was like oh I just want to do the rockers and he's like well you may as well do the doors and then just kind of like expanded <laughs> to the whole truck. <laughs> I'm like all right fine I'll just go for it and do it all right so, yeah it's the, the classic snowball thing right that's how all this stuff is it's like oh I'm gonna do just this and then well if I'm doing that I may as well do that and then yeah it's like the transmission of the second gen it was like I did the APPS noise isolator and then The next thing i know i have a stage two built trans (laughs)
1: well it's so hard especially you know when you really care for and are trying to take care of the vehicle that you that you really love and you go park somewhere and not everyone out there is going to pay attention like you said like a purse is going to scrape across it or you're going on a dirt road or something or it's muddy and it's just like oh man i just spent all those hours detailing it where you see those rock chips like on the third gens around the, the rear fenders um, yeah, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. And it's like, man, if there's a way to protect it, you know, that's awesome. Um, you know, since we did the last podcast, we've had a ton of new listeners and I, a lot of the messages I get from people are, people who are new to diesel and they might not have caught our last episode. I wanted to ask you about what you do in the industry. Um, the, the company that you work for, cause it's going to lead into a question that a listener had for us. that I, I knew was perfect to ask you, um, but just give them a little bit of background on what you do in the aftermarket industry.
0: Yeah. So for my actual day job, I work at a company called CJC Offroad. Um, We're over in Long Beach, California, uh, and we do basically like really nice, like uh, suspension, steering, wheels, tires, lighting, all that kind of stuff um, for for trucks. So a lot of the stuff that I'm super into, I really like suspension and steering. And so I kind of gravitated towards that and they actually did the install on my third gen way back in the day. So I started as a customer with them, got to be really good friends with Cody and Cole, the owners. Um, kind of started doing some more like media work and stuff for them. And then uh, I'm there full time doing marketing. I've been there for gosh, since like 2019, I think uh, doing marketing for them. So pretty much everything you see from them, like YouTube, Instagram, website pictures, all that stuff's me. So
1: one of the, one of the really cool things that um, gosh, since we did that first podcast and I started following you is it can be really tough to find a place that I would trust like with a vehicle I really love so I've put this file in my memory bank that when I get to the point that I want to do suspension on a truck I'm just going to put it on a trailer and have it towed out to you guys and I'm just going to say Andrew like hook me up with what one, hey, one of the sales guys this is what I want ship it back to me when it's done because I know I don't have to worry and I think that's a lot of um, the information on YouTube and Instagram that you put forth it's just like okay, I know you know if his truck is like this and some of the things I see come out of the shop, I would just ship my truck a thousand miles and have you guys do it and send it back to me.
0: <laughs> we've actually, we've gotten a really good network too of, of shops across the country. Like it, that's been a really fun part of it is expanding shops that we work with all over the country and like trying to work with shops to like expand knowledge about this stuff and just like get people on board for, for quality parts. I feel like for the longest time the diesel world suspension has just been an afterthought. Like it's all been about power where it's like, all right, let's swap this giant turbo. Let's put all of our money in the engine and then put like a spacer and a shock extender on the truck, just so it's at the right height that I want. Um, so I feel like for a long time, that's kind of been the mentality. It's been kind of cool to watch like the switch over. I, I think like just, it's kind of fun on my third gen. I've, I've kind of done both now, like power and suspension, but I really think like if I was building a truck from square on regardless of what I do for work, like I'd probably start with suspension and steering. To me, it's just it adds so much drivability to the truck and like practical, functional usage. Um, that, that's what you appreciate every day is like being able to actually steer in a straight line and not have like the typical third gen wander and like all that kind of stuff. So t- to me, that's, that's a really important part that's kind of been overlooked for a really long time.
1: And it recently, two things kind of converged as I was doing a podcast with uh, Lenny Reed, the owner of Dynamite Diesel Products, and he was telling me this story about these younger guys showing him these videos they do. I'm not sure if it was TikTok or Instagram with these you know, third gens or second gens with these really wide wheels and tire setups. And, and then I had a guy message in and said, I don't remember what year Power Stroke it was, but he said, hey, I had these you know, wider wheels and tires on, and it just led to this kind of snowball effect with the suspension and the steering and the wandering. And I wanted to have you on to talk about that. Like, what are the what's too wide? And if you go to that too wide level, what sort of things do you need to think about with your suspension to keep the precision there um, and the responsiveness? I'm sure it's going to vary between the solid axle and IFS, but what do you see on your end for like wheel widths, tire size, and the steering not being as good as it can be, and fixes for it? Yeah.
0: I mean, it's, it's really the same thing. Like us cow guys, like we'll put 37s and 40s on our trucks and run them through the desert of a whoops. And like a lot of the East Coast people do like big wide, you know, 14, 16 wide wheels. It's really the same thing. All you're doing is just putting a tire that shouldn't be on there that applies way more force than the stock ones. And so you, you kind of start to find every weak point on the front end of these trucks. Um, so really what I like to do, like on so my third gen, I put 37s on it. And immediately my steering got super sloppy. I noticed every weakness in the whole front end of the truck. Um, and so what I kind of like to do is I think a lot of people underestimate how much force is actually applied. But when you think about it, you have a, a 37 or, you know, 16 wide tire, you're going into a right-hand turn. You're slamming on the brakes. You have a trailer behind you. There is so much force on the front end of your truck. Everything wants to keep going in straight and you're turning right. Um, and so really quality parts makes a huge difference um so i don't know how in depth you want me to go but i'm i'm game to, to deep dive oh, yeah. on oh yeah let's go like, in depth
1: <laughs> yeah let's let's definitely go in depth like say um let's start with with ram like what uh what sort of upgrades should somebody do when they're going to the, to the larger um wheel and tire setups on them
0: so i'd say probably the number one upgrade would be the track bar um this is a part that people never see as a steering part they usually see it as a suspension part um but the track bar is the only thing holding your axle from laterally shifting under the truck so like your radius arms or control arms they're holding it you know forward from moving backward but the only thing stopping it from shifting is the track bar so in that example where like you're going into a corner you're slamming on the brakes and you're turning right with the trailer behind you the only thing stopping the axle from like just falling out from under the truck sideways is that track bar so there's a ton of load that goes into those joints so using a really quality track bar, particularly one that doesn't use like a soft rubber bushing, like the factory one does, is going to be key. Um, any lateral movement that you feel in that front axle, any shift that's allowed is going to be directly transmitted to your steering, right? Because all the linkages attach to that axle. So if your axle shifts at all, your steering linkage is going to shift to and you're going to feel feedback in the wheel. So like typical example, like you'll feel like almost like you'll hit the brakes or something and the axle will kind of shift and pull and your, your steering will wander and you don't feel like you have that control of the front end of the truck track bar. So especially with bigger, wider wheels and tires, those are really going to grab the road and you'll have a lot more road feedback coming into your steering via the track bar. So doing like a really high end, like a Carly, a Thurin, like just any of those nice track bars that use like a Heim joint or a spherical joint on them um, that isn't like a softer armative rubber bushing you're gonna get a lot less feedback. So I'd say like number one part to upgrade would be that. Um, the other thing obviously is just steering linkage in general, like the factory steering linkage is cool, um, but a lot of times it's, it's out of date and particularly on like third gens, they're using the Y style steering uh, or, or like early second gens as well. Um, and if you're not familiar Y style steering is basically where the drag link, which is the link that comes from the pitman arm down to the tire rod, which is the one that connects the two uh, front knuckles. It, it actually connects in the middle and it pulls and actually changes your toe angle as the suspension cycle. So the reason why you always hear people talking about moving to T style or 08 plus fourth gen style steering is to get rid of that toe angle change. So with Y style steering, as your suspension cycles, your toe actually is changing in and out. So that's really going to make a big difference in, in steering feel. So moving to like an upgraded linkage setup, whether it's the 08 plus Mopar or apex or synergy or something like that, you're just going to get a lot better quality joints. Um, and again, less less feedback. And then the other thing is stabilizers. So that's the one that everyone always likes to talk about is put a steering stabilizer on. For some reason, that's like the first thing that people jump to. Um, I would probably say it's, it's like a cherry on top of the other stuff, but stabilizers, the whole goal of a stabilizer is to reduce feedback from the road. So the stabilizer in that shock is going to have a ton of basically compression damping to reduce a high-speed impact. So it's high-speed compression damping. So it'll allow your steering wheel to turn, but it won't allow a sharp feedback from hitting a pothole, something like that to transmit up to your steering and shake your wheel. So moving to like a higher end stabilizer setup is a really nice way to kind of reduce steering feedback from the road.
1: I was just thinking probably when, you know, when a customer walks in or calls you guys, he's probably doing like a whole package where he's, he wants the wheels, he wants the tires, he wants the suspension. Which sort of products out there include all this? like? Um, I know Carly's a really popular name. I have guests on all the time. They're talking about doing a Carly Pentoff, some of these other things. Um, what's kind of a common package somebody walks in, they want their truck to look a certain way, have a certain use for it um, on a Ram. And you're saying, Hey, you know, here's three choices or four choices or however, however many there are to be able to get this all in one kit. Yeah. So unfortunately there isn't like an all in one option. <laughs> I wish, I wish there was
0: but the companies that make steering linkage aren't the same that make the suspension. So usually those two are separated, but the companies that make the suspension make track bar, et cetera, et cetera. So like you do like a Carlier, or a Thurn suspension system and then um, do like Apex or Synergy steering linkage or like if you have a Ram, the Mopar heavy duty linkage or the Fords, actually the factory linkage is pretty solid. Um, the 17 plus trucks, we've seen a lot of drag link issues, but that's a whole separate topic. Um, and then a steering stabilizer. So like Thurn offers their Thurn King. Carly offers their um, their stabilizers they make uh, in-house or at Eibach. Um, and then they also have like Fox 2.0 makes some really good stabilizers, uh, you know, like just a simple Fox 2.0 or like a Fox ATS. And we can do a deep dive on stabilizers if you want to, because that's like a whole other topic of what stabilizers are right for me. What are the different types of stabilizers that I don't know how deep you want to go into to steering stuff, but I'm game yeah. if you want.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Explain to me the different types of stabilizers that are out there. What are the differences between them?
0: So... Your your basic like cheap stabilizer is going to be an emulsion shock. So an emulsion shock is where the nitrogen and the oil in the shock mix together. And the problem with that is if you've ever seen shocks where they say that you have to mount them in a certain orientation, up, down, et cetera, that's to keep the the oil and nitrogen separated. So when you turn those sideways, like you would in a stabilizer application, they just mix together and they make like this big frothy soup. And then the valving isn't like you you don't actually have any oil flowing through that shim stack. You have no damping. It's not really working. So If you are doing a stabilizer, make sure it's what's called an IFP or internal floating piston. That means that there's a dividing piston separating the nitrogen and the oil. So just a basic thing. If you're looking at stabilizers, make sure it's an IFP. Um, Past that, there's a couple other different interesting things. So there's both the the location of the stabilizer and the way that it works. So I guess I'll start with the way that it works. So like in a typical IFP stabilizer, you have a, a cylinder and a shaft. Um, And so that shaft goes in and displaces the fluid in that cylinder. Fox came up with something kind of interesting called their through shaft design. Um, So if you've seen the ATS or TS stabilizers, that's the through shaft design. what's really interesting about that is that when you have a, a fixed volume cylinder in a traditional IFP stabilizer, as that piston goes in, it's displacing the fluid. And so you're having, basically you're compressing that fluid in that fixed volume. So the result of that is you're getting Changes in the feel of the dynamics of that stabilizer as it compresses. So at the extreme end of your steering, it's going to feel different than at you know straight steering where it's it's open. With the TS, it's a through shaft design, and so you're not getting that displacement of fluid. the The shaft is actually passing through and coming out the other side. Um, so if that glazed over your eyes, don't worry about it. Basically, the thing to note is that a through shaft or ATS or TS stabilizer from Fox is going to be neutral. A traditional IFP stabilizer that has a fixed chamber is going to be neutral if you set it neutral with the nitrogen pressure, or it's going to have some push. And you can kind of use that push to your advantage if you want to. So a lot of tires have a native direction that they like to pull. So for example, Toyo MTs, notorious for pulling right. Ridge grapplers have a very slight left-hand pull. And so you can use that stabilizer charge to kind of fight that. So- if you have a toyo mt and you pair it with a fox ats stabilizer your truck is still going to pull right really really hard and so you'll have to fight that with caster Uh, and caster in the alignment is basically like shifting the axle like rocking it backward or forward so if you rock it on one side and out the other you're twisting the axle and you can kind of fight that but it's not ideal so the nice way to fight that is with the stabilizer so like if you did a ts you couldn't fight that if you do like a nitrogen adjustable stabilizer if you have the direction of the extension of that stabilizer working in the opposite direction of the tire pull, then you don't have a tire pull. Um, so I, I hope that wasn't super confusing. It's kind of hard to to like explain as, as simply as I can, but you can use stabilizer directions to basically fight tire pull, which is really nice. That
1: definitely, I definitely was able to understand it because you, you, there's lots of friends I have or just being around trucks where guys will talk about that a little bit of pull this way or a little bit of pull that way. They don't know why. And I think being able to understand the relationship with the stabilizer and the type that it is and the way to do it versus with caster definitely makes sense. Um, And I can see there's a whole bunch of suspension stuff I don't know where I could probably take up like four hours of your time today (laughs) chatting with you. Um, But I wanted to, to kind of transition a little bit to the Fords. Are the principles very similar to the Ram trucks as far as what they're going to need to do with upgrades and things as they go to larger wheel and tire setup? Yeah, 100% the same.
0: Uh, The nice thing is like they're both solid axle trucks. So really like they're they're pretty much identical in terms of thought process and everything else. Track bar should be upgraded. Steering linkage ideally should be upgraded. And then what's really nice is you add a more capable stabilizer that's able to fight feedback. So it basically just has more damping force than the stock stabilizer because you have a, a larger rotating mass in the tire trying to push against it. So moving to like a nice, Fox, Carly, King stabilizer is really gonna help fight those larger tires because they're just putting more force into the steering. Um, So like, I'll give like a a good example on a Ford. So like the factory location stabilizer on a Ford on a 17 plus truck is on the drag link and it's gonna push left. So if you have a Toyo MT tire on that truck it's gonna pull right. So if you charge that stabilizer, like we'll use Carly for example, a Carly stabilizer set to like 40 to 70 PSI neutral. So it'll allow that tire to pull. If you charge that stabilizer like 100 psi, it'll want to extend in the direction of the charge. So sorry, it'll it'll want to like push in the direction of extension, which is against the direction of that tire pull. So a high mount on a 17 plus forward at like 100 psi will push in the opposite direction of a Toyota empty pulling, right? And your truck will drive straight. So that's that's kind of like the basic of it um, on top of
1: just upgrading the track or upgrading the linkage. You had mentioned earlier some issues with the 17 plus Fords. What sort of fixes are out there for that?
0: Yeah, so on the 17 plus Fords, what we've seen is a lot of dragging joint failures um, and and death wobble issues. Um, And so, like, I'm sure I've seen a ton of videos online about death wobble on on Ford trucks. There's, There's two key issues there. One is that for some reason, Ford is sending these trucks out of the factory with almost no caster. So caster, I kind of talked a little bit earlier, but caster is basically the rock of the axle. So if you have, like, a shopping cart at a mall and you see the wheels, like, dancing around, that's exactly what zero caster looks like. There's no rock of the axle to kind of make those wheels want to go straight. And that's kind of how Ford's shipping these trucks out from the factory. So they have very little caster. And you put a level kit on there that doesn't have caster correction, and now you're negative caster. So the truck's gonna be dancing all over the place. So part of the issue is that. The other part of the issue is the drag length. For some reason, the joints in those drag links are going out really early. I think they don't have enough roll angle. And so that's the issue is that they don't have enough roll angle. So they're binding up all the time and that makes them go out early. I'm not hundred percent sure, but we've seen a lot of very low mileage forwards come into the shop at CJC with blown out drag links. So, um, apex as a company that, that does really nice steering for those synergy also makes an upgrade for those now as well. Um, and that's like a, a big difference for those trucks. So having proper level systems or suspension systems that address caster In the suspension system is really nice, but getting rid of that factory drag link is another key way to get rid of the death wobble
1: in the 17 plus forwards. That's some good information. Yeah. uh, I know right now the Duramax guys are like, ask them about Duramax, ask them about the GMs. (laughs) (laughs) So I I didn't want to forget about them. I think it's gonna be more a more complex answer, maybe possibly, just because of suspension setup. But what what challenges are those guys gonna have as they go up in wheel size, tire size?
0: So the issue with those trucks is that there's less options, unfortunately. Um, So the the tie rod issue is is well-documented. Everyone knows the the tie rod issue on those trucks, especially with bigger power, bigger tires. So there's a ton of companies that make awesome upgraded tie rods, tie rod ends. Stabilizers are a kind of a tricky thing on those trucks. There's just some of them don't even come with stabilizers from the factory. Um, And then when you do add like a lot of stabilizer kits aren't using the best uh, stabilizer like dampers on them. Um, that's, that's kind of a tough one, but I would say on those trucks for sure, going with the best tire rodons, you can best ball joints, you can best hubs that you can. Um, that's a huge thing. And then if you can add a stabilizer to it, that's another a big thing, but thankfully the IFS trucks tend to get less death wobble issues in solid axle just by nature. So that, that definitely helps in their favor. They'll just generally have better steering and handling characteristics as an IFS. Um, but solid
1: axles kind of stronger. So <laughs> take, take your pick one or the other. <laughs> Well, I'm sure there's there's going to be probably a ton of questions people might have about their trucks or maybe they're local to you guys or they're like me and are like, hey, I'm going to ship you my truck um, and just ship it back to me with the uh, lift kit and, you know, the stuff I want <laughs> to. Um, how can they find CJC on online on t- social media platforms? Check out what uh, what you guys got and maybe ask questions.
0: Yeah, so uh, we just go by CJC Offroad on Instagram, on YouTube, and Facebook um we also have our email sales at cjc offroad great way to ask any questions and then we have our phone line too um so if you guys are curious about that kind of stuff just hit our website we have links to everything on there cjcoffroad.com um i'm also happy to help personally as well like i answer a lot of dms on my instagram as well just people have questions and stuff like i i love these trucks and to me it's just fun like it it doesn't necessarily work for me like I, i get to do what i'd be doing anyway so it's it's kind of fun to
1: Of work in the diesel industry and and be able to do what I would just be doing on my own anyway. People definitely need to go follow your page and and your YouTube. How do they find you on Instagram? So on
0: Instagram, my username is AVVBlanc, B L I N C. And then on YouTube, it's just diesels. Um, Yeah, both places. And I've uh, been doing my best to kind of document all of my different builds on the trucks and kind of document the processes I go through them. So I have like videos on steering upgrades, on frame detailing, on Pretty much everything i've done to my truck i have a video about and i've tried to be as good as i can to people will ask you know questions and stuff i'm like that's a really great video idea so i'll i'll try and make video questions like videos that answer people's questions about this kind of stuff so
1: well it's uh it it was great to chat with you years ago when we did a podcast it's great now like i said i follow you on there so i'm seeing these new trucks the things you're that you're doing with them it's really cool i think the quality like the photos and the videos that you do uh, diesel in the aftermarket really needs because we get quality content there's a lot of information in them and then you inspire a lot of people with whether it's the first gen the second gen the OBS the the common rail that you got the TDI um, so it's great to chat with you today look forward to doing it again in the future we appreciate being able to use your truck you got to get us a new copy uh, a new picture of your new <laughs> truck for our podcast no problem, cover but well, we appreciate it thanks man so much I really appreciate being on Don't forget, diesel fans, make sure and head on over to kershaw.kaiusa.com. Use code 20diesel for 20% off site-wide. Great way to save some money on some really cool gear, whether you need it for hunting, fishing, EDC. We definitely appreciate our friends over there offering this code for you guys to be able to save 20%. Also want to give a shout out to some of our Patreon supporters, Tyler Lowe a 23 Diesel, John, all of you who subscribe on Patreon, our Discord, YouTube podcast apps, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. We appreciate all the support you guys have given us throughout the years, and we have a lot of uh, really cool shows coming up here in 2023, so we definitely look forward to it. Until next time, keep the shiny side up.